four men, each weighing 400 pounds, made a New Year's resolution to lose 200 pounds. They all went to a weight loss seminar where the speaker told what they would have to do to reach their goal. One man dropped out immediately. Even though it sounded good, something told him he could never do it, so he gave up before he began. The second man jumped from his seat and exclaimed, I can do it. He joined a health club, spent four hours a day working out, and put himself on a 1,200-calorie-a-day liquid diet. The weight started disappearing. In a month, he had lost 50 pounds, but he also lost his job. And his old friends started making fun of his baggy clothes. So he started eating again. He stopped exercising and quickly ballooned over 400. The third man left the seminar with a, a real desire to lose weight, and he told everyone that he could do it. He joined Meat Eaters Anonymous. He bought several thousand dollars worth of uh, exercise equipment and hired a personal trainer. When he left his Meat Eaters Anonymous meetings, however, he always drove by Burger King and thought about those double Whoppers with cheese and this was before the impossible Whopper. Then one day, he actually drove through, and it soon became a regular stop after hearing about bean sprouts and seaweed and tofu. He also discovered that he could fool the computer on his exercise equipment into recording a workout while laying on the couch, and that his personal trainer would go easy on him if he put on smelly sweats and told him he'd started exercising before he arrived. After several months, he gave up the charade and went back to his old way of life. The fourth man listened carefully to what the speaker said, sought the advice of his doctor, began a reasonable program of exercise, and cut his portions in half. He allowed himself an occasional limited indulgence, but kept his eye on the goal. And after two years, he reached it, and he kept the weight off for the rest of his life. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In case you couldn't tell, that was a parable. Now, I don't normally preach in parables. And Jesus didn't either, at least not when he first came preaching the gospel of God. In fact, for the first two years of his ministry, he taught in a very direct, straightforward manner, as seen on the sermon, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, or he taught in the synagogues, expounding the Old Testament scriptures. But as the crowds grew, they began to expect other things from him. They wanted more miracles and less teaching. They wanted to see him. They wanted to touch him. But they really weren't all that interested in what he had to say. But he still had something to say. It wasn't time for his teaching ministry to end, at least not yet. So being the master teacher that he was, he simply changed his approach. He changed his style of preaching. He went from a very direct approach 
to an indirect approach. He began teaching in parables. And we find that change in our text for today. And he began to teach again by the sea. And such a very great multitude gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. The last time Jesus tried to teach the multitudes along the seashore, he had kept a boat offshore in case they physically overwhelmed him trying to reach him. And this time the crowd is even bigger. Last time it had merely been a great multitude, thousands of people from all over Palestine and even beyond its borders. And now, Mark says, it's a very great multitude. The boat he had kept offshore before was a small boat, probably a rowboat. The boat he used this time was a bigger boat, probably a fishing vessel. And he didn't use it as a getaway vehicle. He used it as a floating pulpit. By separating himself from the crowd, he avoided the crush to get to him and made it possible for everyone to hear because the shoreline made a natural amphitheater. He sat down in part because that was the traditional position of a rabbi when teaching and probably because the boat was rocking and began to teach. But instead of expounding scripture, he spoke in parables. So what exactly is a parable? The word means something thrown alongside. It's taking something very common and familiar and using it to illustrate something less familiar. When used to teach spiritual truths, we often say it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, we generally think a parable makes things easier to understand, and it often does. But there's another aspect of a parable that we sometimes overlook. Now, teaching a spiritual truth by using an earthly illustration actually clouds the spiritual truth a little because you are, in effect, hiding a spiritual truth in a little story. You've already heard my story, so now let's read one that Jesus told. And he was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And it came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Another seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And other seed fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Well, this parable, the parable of the sower and the soils, is followed by two more stories about seeds. One about seed growing by itself and the story of the mustard seed. We're not going to examine these stories today, but we'll do so next week. 
The question we want to examine today is why did Jesus teach with parables? And Mark gives us the explanation from the lips of Jesus himself. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, in order that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. Now that last verse shocks us. Because it sounds like Jesus is saying he doesn't want some people to be forgiven, but that cannot be true. So let's take a careful look at what he said and, and why. The first thing we note is that Jesus makes a distinction between the disciples, those who asked about the parables, and those outside, those who hadn't come into his inner circle of followers. Apparently, disciples can be taught differently than those who are on the outside, and parables are designed for those on the outside. And the reason disciples can be taught differently, Jesus said, is because they have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? What's meant by mystery? Well, contrary to what you might think, it, it doesn't mean something that's vague or difficult to understand. It refers to something that is hidden from the majority, but has been made known to some. It's inside information that's been revealed. And it's that inside information that enables disciples to be taught on a different level than those on the outside. We are able to understand and accept things that others can't because we've been given the missing pieces that put the puzzle together. And it's pieces that man cannot find on his own. It's pieces that only God can reveal. The Bible mentions several mysteries that have been made known to us. Paul speaks of the mystery of lawlessness. You know, educators, legislators, and social scientists grapple constantly with the lawlessness of society, but really can't explain it. We understand it because God has revealed to us the spiritual nature of life and the activity of Satan. Paul also mentions the mystery of godliness, the, the counterpart to the mystery of lawlessness. We understand how people can be made godly because we've been told how God is willing to actually come into us and live his life through us. That's what enables us to be like him. Obviously, we wouldn't know that if he hadn't told us about it and how to receive it. And then here, Mark speaks of the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's the revealing of an understanding of God's purposes in the world. You know, no one can discover God's purposes on their own. And Life doesn't make sense until God speaks and tells us what it's all about. 
But since the disciples were the only ones who had learned the God-revealed secrets of life, they were the only ones who could understand spiritual truth. And Jesus was able to take them below the surface of the parables and explain it all to them. Now, at first glance, it does look like the disciples were the ones who couldn't understand the parables. That Jesus had to spoon-feed them to get them to understand, but actually, they were the only ones who could understand them, who had the spiritual base to accept the implication of the parables. The, the masses weren't ready. They weren't able to grasp spiritual truth at that point in their life. So Jesus spoke to them in parables. Now back to that verse that kind of puzzled us. You know, the way Mark records it, it sounds as if Jesus purposefully hid truth from people so they wouldn't understand and wouldn't repent and wouldn't be forgiven. But again, we know that's not the case, for Peter has made it very clear that it's God's will that all come to repentance. Well, if we dig a little, we quickly discover that Jesus wasn't saying that he didn't want people to be forgiven. He was simply quoting prophecy, quoting what Isaiah had said. And Mark's account of Jesus' statement is, is highly condensed. If we read it in Matthew's account, I think we get a much clearer picture of what Jesus meant. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Jesus is again speaking to his disciples. Because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. Isaiah had prophesied that people would hear, but not understand, and see, but not perceive, because their hearts had become dull, and they did not want to understand what was being said. Now, some people don't understand scriptural truth because they don't want to understand it. It means they'll have to change their life. They aren't ready for change. That's the way it was with the crowds. They didn't want to listen. They wanted miracles, not theology. So instead of teaching obvious spiritual truth, Jesus told stories that he hoped would catch their attention. In fact, parables are designed for the uninterested. And Jesus hid spiritual truth, not to keep truth from the masses, but to sneak it into their mind without their even knowing it. That's the main reason Jesus taught in parables. Another reason is that we learn more when we have to dig. We're going to skip over 
the explanation of the parable and, and jump to Mark 4, 21 through 25. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a peck measure, is it, or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret but that it should come to light. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it shall be measured to you, and more shall be given you besides. For whoever has to him shall more be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. The goal of teaching is to bring things to light. And you don't light a lamp in order to hide the light, but to illuminate things by it. Sometimes, however, the light does have to be dimmed a bit to see clearly. If the light is too bright, you have to shade your eyes. You, you need sunglasses to block out some of the light. And it's the same with truth. Sometimes it has to be hidden a bit before it can be seen, and that is what parables do. You know, if something is too obvious, we tend to overlook it. But if it's hard to see, it catches our attention, and, and we make the effort to see it. And then when it comes into view, there's a joy of discovery. And we do love to discover things. We are intrigued by mysteries. And God knows we like the challenge of digging for truth. So he hides much of it from us. In fact, Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Look at all the, the marvels God has hidden in nature and how we love to, to dig them out. When we crack the DNA code, we get all excited. If God had spelled everything out for us, we'd say, eh, so what? But when we have to hunt and probe and dig to discover truth, we're thrilled when we find it. And we have a sense of accomplishment. Jesus knew that men would grasp the truth more readily if he hid it in parables because we learn more when we have to dig it out. And in searching, we often find more than we expect. You know, God has given us his word. He revealed it to us. But the only way we find anything in it is to seek and search, and dig. And as we do, not only do we find what we're looking for, we find much more than we expected to find. So truth was hidden in parables, as it is hidden throughout the Bible, and the only way to find it is to search it out. But it had to be hidden before we would search. Parables keep us searching, keep us thinking. And when you work for something, you're more likely to value it and use it. 
And if you don't use what you have, you lose it. That's why Jesus added, what he has shall be taken away from him. Now, if you lay in your bed for weeks without using your legs, you lose your ability to walk. If you don't use your brain to reason and think things through, you'll lose the ability to do so. Parables are designed to keep us thinking and searching. And if you don't keep searching, you'll lose even the truth you once thought you had. How many times have we seen someone drift away from the truth? Because they quit thinking. They, they quit studying. They quit searching for God's will. If you quit looking, you'll soon forget what you once discovered. That's why truth is hidden in parables, to keep us digging. And finally, Jesus taught in parables because we can handle only so much. And with many such parables, he was speaking the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Jesus was speaking the word to them as they were able to hear it. We can only handle so much. That's why God doesn't give us everything at once. We just couldn't handle it. You know, after we're given a measure of truth, we've got to have time to digest it. So Jesus taught in such a way that we would get only what we could handle, just a bite at a time. And all of Scripture is like that. Have you ever wondered why you can't just sit down and read through the Bible and be finished with it like a novel? It's because the scriptures are put together in such a way that it takes both the word and the spirit to understand what is said. You can read the words, but if you're not ready for them and open to them, the words will say very little to you. But if you're open and are relying on the spirit to enlighten you, you will learn. And then the next time you come back and read the same words, you will learn something else. It'll happen again and again. Every time you read it, you'll learn something more. That's why we keep reading through the Bible every year. You don't just say, well, I've done it. Say, now I'm going to do it again. And you can't wait to see what God's going to reveal to you this year that you missed for the last 10 years. It blows me away. Sometimes I'll be reading away and I'll go, Marilyn, listen to this. And I think I've never seen it before. And then I'll see I've underlined it and I put stars by it. <laughs> That's all part of the game too. But there are times I'll have an insight that I've never had before. And you will too. If you get in the word and stay in the word. We're starting a new year. Start reading if you haven't. And if you have, start reading again. The Bible is a treasure to be explored. And every time you read it, you'll learn more. And you know, God's word 
will never cease to refresh your spirit and instruct your mind. That's because God teaches us truth as we're able to hear it. Again, we just couldn't handle all the truth God has at once. We've got to get it a little at a time, digest it, meditate on it, apply it, and then go back and dig for more. We must search and seek all our lives to discover what God has hidden in his word. But thankfully, we don't have to know it all to respond to him in faith. One of the very first things he reveals to us through the word and the spirit is our need for him, our lost condition. And as soon as we discover that, we should act upon it. Deal with that much truth. Become a disciple. And then dig further. Asking God to continually open your eyes to the glimpses of truth he has for us.